Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, episode 124. And I am your Norwegian host, Thomas Rosaland Viborg Thun. Here we are again, you and I, dear listener. At last, summer is upon us. For me, spring has been wonderful with me finally getting married to my lovely wife, Thea. But around us the world has been quite chaotic, even here in peaceful Norway. Since June, life has returned to almost normal here in the high north, but I notice that many countries are far from being out of the woods. I do hope my American listeners are staying safe, and I encourage you to hang in there. Judging from the news, Things are kind of spiraling in the USA. Americans have been through rough times before, and I am confident you will pull through and again be the shining beacon of freedom the rest of us know and love. Until then, I hope you find some welcome respite by listening to the Serial Killer podcast. We continue our stay in the heyday of the golden age of serial murder the early 1980s. Our subjects are still Carol Bundy and Douglas Clark, perpetrators of the Sunset Strip murders. As always, I want to honor those that make this show possible. The 23 foremost patrons of the Serial Killer podcast are Amber, Amy, Anne, Anthony. Cassandra, Christy, Evan, James, Jennifer, Jesse, Kathy, Lisa, Lisbeth, Mark, Mickey, Monica, Philip, Russell, Samantha, Samira, Scortnia, 
Vanessa and Zashia. You really helped produce this show and you have my deepest gratitude. Thank you. If you wish to join this exclusive club of TSK producers, go to theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate and pledge $15 or more to have your name read live on this show. This episode is 100% sponsored ad-free. So, this following part is important. I know no one likes e-begging, and especially in these trying times. However, this podcast is 100% free to listen to, and I, as everyone else, have bills and audio engineers to pay. So, if and only if you can afford a cup of coffee from your local cafe, consider donating the same amount on patreon.com slash theserialkillerpodcast to support your humble host. Donating on Patreon does not come without benefits. If you join the TSK $10 Plus Club, you get access to 100% exclusive and ad-free bonus episodes where I go into detail in other dark areas of human behavior. The latest episode takes you on a journey to the old Wild West. So don't miss out. Head on over to patreon.com slash theserialkillerpodcast and join now. up with Bundy and Clark. Both profess how they really aren't to blame. It was all the other one's idea. And they had it rough growing up, so it's all really society's fault anyway. It's a rather pathetic show, and Clark is clearly the most pathetic of the murderous duo. Bundy seems far more calm and collected in her recollections. She was more than happy to tell her tale of murder and mayhem to anyone who would listen, and she made sure to lay the blame firmly on Clark's shoulders. By the 1980s, many criminals had started to notice that criminals who were believed when telling of traumatic backgrounds and childhoods, they often got less severe sentences. Bundy was no different and she was more than willing to serve up a gruesome story of her own growing up. When she was only eleven years old, she claimed her father had started to sexually abuse her and her sister. It started with him forcing them to touch his genitals. Then he forced them to provide him with oral sex, but it soon escalated to full-blown vaginal and anal rape. Someone must have noticed not everything was well in that household, because after her father remarried, Carol was sent through a series of foster homes. As with many abused girls, she quickly became promiscuous to get attention from boys. 
Another female serial killer exhibiting this trait is the far more famous Eileen Wurnos, who also experienced rape from an extremely young age and who in the same manner as Carol sought attention from boys and men from a very early age. Unlike Wurnos, Carol did not end up being a prostitute. Instead, Carol married very young. Her first marriage was to a 56-year-old man when she was just 17. Her marriages to mature men meant that she was able to afford an education as a nurse and also ended up working as one. Carol went through three marriages by the time she was 35. She went between men and women, seemingly unable to decide which gender she preferred and was often unfaithful to whomever she was with. Carol's tales of abuse did not stop when she left home as a child. She also claimed one of her husbands had been violently abusive towards her, and she ended up divorcing him when she was 36 in 1979. There are in fact records from a domestic abuse safe house to corroborate this part of her tale. By this time, Carol had two children, one five and one nine years old. I have tried, but have not been able to find any information of what happened to her children after she met Doug Clark. One thing Carol has never been was attractive. She had a plump face with a potato-like nose and blotchy, acne-scarred skin. She wore her stringy hair short and wore thick, cheap glasses. In addition to this, she was quite overweight. Although she was not an attractive woman, she could be charming. John Jack Murray, her landlord, often helped her out with money and even helped her to get disability payments and found her a job as a nurse. Apparently, her openness and appreciation eventually led to them becoming lovers. Although Murray was married and had children, Carol proved to be sexually voracious and was so certain about his love for her that she tried to bribe and then threaten Murray's wife to leave him. This move backfired, however, when Jack left Carol. She was just a bit too much for him but that failed to terminate her obsession. She became like a stalker, certain that Jack loved her no matter what he said, and promising to wait for him to eventually admit his love to her. Carol always knew how to find him, because he worked part-time as a singer at Little Nashville, a country music bar on Sherman Way in North Hollywood. He liked to drink there as well. She hung out at the club, waiting for Jack to pay attention, but he continued to ignore her. However, her persistence paid off in another way. Just after Christmas, in 1979, Carol did manage to attract the eye of another man at the bar, Douglas Clark, 31. He was blonde and handsome, and seemed to take a liking to her. What she did not realize was that in her he spotted a free ride. 
he knew that lonely, obese women in bars often responded to sexual attention with money, housing, and other benefits. Clark had learned this during his nomadic lifestyle as a mechanic, and Carol was his new target. While he had grown up in a privileged home and had been given a good education, he remained unmotivated and dependent on others. Yet he had a polished, charming manner, with a slight European tint to his speech. He liked to utilize French phrases and to quote from literature. Former girlfriends from prep school, it turned out later at his trial, were still very much in love with him. Another trait he developed and honed was an exhibitionistic response to sex. He liked to record women with whom he was having sex, or to take their photograph, and then pass these around among his friends, whether they wanted to see them or not. He married once, but that did not last. Soon after meeting, Clark and Bundy became lovers, and he eventually moved in. To Carol, he was an amazing adventure, unlike any man she had ever known. Yet this new relationship did not dim her ardor for Jack, and eventually she became so oppressive to Murray and his wife that they forced her to move. For some reason, Doug Clark did not seem to mind too much that his new partner was madly in love with someone else. Carol did, after all, provide him with shelter and wild, really, really wild sex. According to Carol, Doug had quite the plethora of deviant fantasies, including pedophilia, necrophilia, torture, and murder. Although Carol claimed she never had the same urges, she indulged him. She was also becoming more and more enamored with him, and when Doug said that any woman who loved him would have to prove that love by being willing to murder for him. She was happy to oblige. Carol thus purchased two twenty-five caliber Raven automatics from a pawn shop and registered them in her own name. Later she would claim this was on Doug Clark's behest, but I, dear listener, am not so sure. Doug probably did ask Carol to bring other women into their relationship for a threesome and the pair also enticed young girls into the apartment, specifically an eleven-year-old neighbor. The girl was photographed nude and persuaded to get into the shower with the adults. Bundy did not seem to think this was wrong. Instead, she later admitted, she did not feel that this child was competition for her, and letting Clark have this experience with the girl was just a way to please him. It was a quote-unquote gift. They even made an album of pictures of the girl with him, that same album that Carol would later turn over to the police. The pictures showed in graphic detail how Doug Clark had intercourse with a young child. The pair must have severely manipulated the child because she would return to them several times to serve them in their deviant desires. 
But for Carol and Doug, pedophilia was not enough. According to Bundy, Doug wanted a sex slave, someone to serve his every whim and desire, no matter how mundane or bizarre. Carol was terrified to be left alone again, so she claims she took on the role as submissive sex slave. But even this was not enough for Doug. Soon he started to bring home prostitutes, telling Carol to join in on the sex, or sometimes to just sit and watch as he had his way with them. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener. And as a man, I was, and am, often told to suck it up, keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations. But never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash serialkiller today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash serial killer. By the spring of 1980, Carol said later to police, Doug Clark had turned to murder. One day in April, he came home covered in blood. He lied about its source, but then on another occasion, Carol discovered a bag of bloody women's clothing in the car. Doug then told her about Gina and Cynthia the two girls of 15 and 16 years old respectively, found murdered in June and dumped off the freeway. Apparently, Doug confessed to Bundy in detail what he had done with the two girls. He said he had picked them up on the Sunset Strip where they sat at a bus stop. Then he made Cynthia perform fellatio on him and ordered Gina to look away. When she refused, he shot her in the head. Then he shot Cynthia in the head. When it appeared that they were not dead, he shot them both again and took the bleeding corpses to a rented garage. There he played with them, posing them in lewd positions for his entertainment. And then he raped the dead bodies, again and again. In the early morning hours, when he was sated, 
He dumped them by the Forest Lawn Hollywood Hills Cemetery, as covered in the previous episode. On the 15th of June, 1980, he took Carol Bundy out to a ravine and pointed out an area where he had dumped a prostitute after shooting her. This was the mummified victim, the fifth one to be found as covered last time. But he had kept her panties, he bragged, as a souvenir. He described the entire incident for Carol in explicit detail, getting her as excited as he was about sexual murder. She wanted desperately to be part of his sexually violent ventures and felt that this would seal their bonds of intimacy. And so it was, that on the 20th of June, Bundy accompanied Clark on his Hollywood-area cruising, and in a parking lot, Clark made Bundy lure a young prostitute who used to name Kathy to the car. Bundy climbed into the back seat, ostensibly to watch Kathy perform oral sex on Clark. She had one of the guns she had purchased in her purse, and Doug had the other one with him in the front. Carol was supposed to signal whether she wanted to go ahead and shoot the girl herself, but Doug apparently got angry at something the hooker was doing, or not doing, so he reached for the gun, as always according to Carol, and shot her in the head. Carol grew excited at what she had witnessed. It did not disturb her at all to see a young girl die in front of her. She then covered the body so they could drive without attracting attention to a place where they could get rid of the body. They ended up near the Magic Mountain Amusement Park and left the dead girl in that general area, next to some bushes. According to Carol Bundy, Doug Clark soon returned on his own to the Sunset Strip. There he encountered prostitute Exe Wilson. He drove her to the Sisler restaurant on Ventura Boulevard at Studio City. She began to perform oral sex when he raised the pistol and shot her in the head as she had his penis in her mouth. In an involuntary reaction, she bit down on his penis, which angered him. He got a bag from the trunk in which he had sharp knives, liquid cleaners, trash bags, and paper towels. In a fury, he cut off Exy's head and placed it inside a trash bag. He left the body in the parking lot. Then he saw a lone blonde streetwalker who had been with Exy. Her name was Karen Jones. She agreed to get into the car with him, unaware that her friend's head was in the back seat. After sex, Doug shot her in the head and chest and pushed her out of the car near the Burbank Studios. She was quickly found, and Exe's headless body was discovered on the same day a few hours later. In the meantime, Doug had driven away to Carol's place and placed the head in a freezer to preserve it for their use as a sex toy. Carol admitted to a journalist that they had fun with it. She is quoted as saying, and I quote, Where I had my fun was with the makeup. I was making her over like a big Barbie doll. End quote. Once 
She had the makeup right to Clark's satisfaction. He would penetrate the mouth for a form of necrophilic oral sex and even take it into the shower with him. They continued to use it in this way for three days before placing it, freshly scrubbed, in the box in which it was found and discarding it in an alley. Carol wore gloves so she would not leave prints. On the 1st of August, Doug had taken his 11-year-old abuse victim with him on a prostitute run. He let the little girl watch him have oral sex with the prostitute before dropping her off and then proceeded to shoot the prostitute in the head. He told Carol Bundy he had used her corpse for sex and then dumped her near some water towers in Antelope Valley. Then, on the 5th of August, Carol sought out Jack Murray for some companionship. She felt Doug had been neglecting to pay her attention and dropped hints about what she had been doing with Doug to Jack. According to her, he apparently talked about turning Clark into the police. That was not what Carol had intended, so she knew she had to get rid of him. If the need to get rid of Jack was simply to protect Doug, or a final plan to get revenge for being rejected by him, no one will ever know for sure. She lured Murray into his van, threatened him with a gun, and had him lie on his stomach. As he lay defenseless on the van floor, she shot him in the head. Unlike in movies, a headshot will not always kill a person immediately. Jack was still alive after being shot in the head, and he was moaning and twitching. So she proceeded to stab him repeatedly, until he died. She also cut pieces of flesh from his backside. After she was finished murdering him, she cut off his head and called Doug, who helped her to get rid of the head in a trash can. The unidentified headless corpse was discovered on the 9th of August, 1980, inside a hot van with a strong stench of death emanating from the corpse that had lain there for five days. As I mentioned in the last episode, Murray's body had by then started to severely decompose. Carol Bundy had also done a fatal mistake. She had left the bullet casings from the bullets she used to murder Murray behind in the van. Carol couldn't hold it together for long, and when she admitted to co-workers that she had killed people, the series of murders came to an end. Feeling betrayed by Doug's aloofness, she blamed everything on him, claiming that he was insane and that he had overpowered her. His turn, when the police arrived, he said that Carol Bundy was a lunatic and that he had nothing to do with any of the crimes. She was framing him for her perverse activities. He talked without an attorney for more than three hours, admitting he knew one of the victims, that he frequented the strip, and that he had helped Carol to dispose of the head of Jack Murray. Their final demise was as predictable as their relationship had been in terms of the dynamics 
of dominance and submission. They had performed a lethal dance together, and now it would proceed to a new phase, that of trial and punishment. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so ends part two of this tale of the Bundy serial killer you probably hadn't heard about. I hope you enjoyed listening to me telling it to you. The next episode, number 125 in number, will be the final part of this saga. So, as they say in the land of radio, stay tuned. Finally, I wish to thank you, dear listener, for listening. If you like this podcast, you can support it by donating on patreon.com slash theserialkillerpodcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts facebook.com slash the sk podcast or by posting on the subreddit the sk podcast thank you good night and good luck welcome to the related podcast my name is carly bible and my name is amanda bible and we are two sisters that are obsessed with inner and outer beauty and everything in between We hope to inspire you and bring you behind the scenes to discuss all things related to our lives. And nothing is off limits. (laughs) You can download new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast One.